What is up, Buff Nation? Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. We are, of course, presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com. Grab your free ticket for one of their rugby matches or stream all of their games at that site. Again, that is AmericanRaptors.com. Also, be sure to check out our weekly DNVR rugby podcast. Our guy Colton Strickler has you covered with everything related to the game of rugby. He also has exclusive interviews with athletes and coaches. Make sure you subscribe and get your rugby fix. My name is Jake Schwanitz. Welcome into the show today, guys. It is a snowy and very cold Tuesday morning here just outside of downtown Denver. I know it's about the same down in Boulder, too, because I checked the traffic and the weather and it looks like at this, if I left right now, it would take me about an hour to get to Boulder, up to practice. It usually takes about 35 minutes. So love that for me later today. But nonetheless, tons to get to today. We're going to start with this because chances are by the time you listen to this, this will have already come down. Asan Diop, the 610 small forward slash center uh, basketball recruit out of Westminster, Colorado, is scheduled to announce his commitment today. Um, he's narrowed narrowed his commitment down to three schools, Colorado being one of them, Arkansas and Seton Hall being the other two. Uh, not going to talk too much about that because by now I'm sure you already know where he is going to school. So congrats or bummer if he goes to see you or not. Um, we'll have much more on that. I'm sure if he commits. But we are going to start off with basketball today. And talking about some of the events and news that has unfolded since the Buffs big weekend in basketball. Of course, Friday night with the loss to Grambling. And then Sunday afternoon with the win over Tennessee. And we're going to go back to that Grambling loss because the SWAC has been putting in some work, really. Uh, of course, Grambling beat Colorado 83-74 on Friday. It was pretty shocking to a lot of people. Not many really respected, expected that result. But then on Saturday, Alcorn State traveled to Wichita State to take on the Shockers. Alcorn State goes and beats Wichita State in their own building 66 to 57. Then on Sunday, you have Arizona State traveling to Texas Southern. Texas Southern beats Arizona State in overtime 67 to 66. So the SWAC putting in work early on, maybe that conference being a little bit more strong top to bottom than many people thought. They have been able to compete with and beat other Power 5 teams besides the Buffs. And with that news, we go to the rankings, the AP poll today. Uh, the Buffs do not make it. They are receiving votes with 11. But Grambling shows up in the receiving votes section, not even at the bottom. They are receiving four votes ahead of UC Irvine, Seton Hall, and Penn State. So people are taking the Grambling Tigers seriously. Just something to take note of as we start off this basketball season and we all try to figure out exactly where these teams uh, rank exactly. I mean, it's tough to say exactly 
where they are right now, but I mean, I think it's just a matter of getting teams in the right neighborhood. We can get everyone in the correct house as we move on through the winter. With the loss on Sunday to the Buffs, Tennessee drops from number 11 down to number 22 in the rankings. So the Buffs impact already being felt in a national uh, perspective. The Volunteers also the only team in the AP poll to have a loss at this point. So take note of that. I mean, that Grambling loss, I know it was tough. It wasn't ideal. But it doesn't seem like the Buffs are alone in their struggles against the SWAC. And with the the weird weekend, you know, the loss to Grambling, the win to Tennessee, I don't know exactly if these things even each other out, especially at this stage in the season. But I did see a little bit of, uh, you know, Chicken Little, the sky's falling after the Grambling game. Um Fear not, guys. Long way to go. A lot of stuff that needs to unfold in the nation. We will get to where the buffs fall in the tournament when we get there. But until then, uh, we got to win some games. If you didn't hear the news, KJ Simpson was actually named the Pac-12 Player of the Week in basketball last week. Uh, He had a fantastic, really just opening week. I mean, you look to that Tennessee game where he did get career highs in points and rebounds. But factor in that Monday game against UC Riverside, Simpson averaged 17.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 3.3 assists in all three games. Across those three, he shot 41% from the field, hitting 17 of his 42 field goals, and was 72% from the free throw line. Eight turnovers in that time, too. He had four against UC Riverside, and then two against Grambling, and only two against Tennessee. Looks like he is starting to clean up his game and really start to reach his ceiling. The player of the week honor is the first for Simpson and the first for Colorado since McKinley Wright fourth on March 1st, 2021, his last of four that season. KJ, of course, was a two-time Pac-12 freshman of the week last season. So he is continuing on that path. Very encouraging stuff. You love to see that. If you are a member of the Herd and Buff Nation, Before we get to our Pac-12 recap this week, though, guys, I want to tell you about our friends over at GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing app built by the fans for the fans, and you won't find a better deal on Buffs basketball tickets, Nuggets tickets, Avs tickets. Maybe there's a show or something going on within the city that you would like to see. Head on over to GameTime. They've got you all covered there. If you love DMVR, then you'll love GameTime. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description that is in this podcast description at the bottom. Or if you are on the website, go to this podcast article. The link is in there also. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the GameTime app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Also, shout out to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA where new customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. They also have their stepped-up same-game parlays, tons of offers going on on the homepage. Just scroll across the top of the app. For our pick of the week this week, we're going to go back to Formula One, the final race of the season. We saw George Russell get his first win. Mercedes get their first win of the season last week in Brazil. Right now, looking at the odds, Max Verstappen is the odds-on favorite 
plus 115, not a bad bet. But we're going to go with Lewis Hamilton, plus 260. Red Bull stopped developing their car after or when the uh, Constructors' Championship seemed imminent. Mercedes has continued to develop, and we saw that difference on the track last week with George Russell getting the win. Lewis could have won, too, if he just didn't battle with Max going into turn two there. But I digress. Our pick of the week is Lewis Hamilton, plus 260. You can find that and all sorts of other great odds and deals on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Again, that's only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DMVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's get into our recap then. We had two firecracker games, um, some awesome games, and then the rest of the slate, some snoozers. So we will we will take our time with these two opening games, and then we will get into the snoozers, and then we'll talk a little bit about the rankings. Of course, CFP comes out on Tuesday, but it does seem like the Pac-12 ended their own playoff hopes, or at least a good chance of their playoff hopes this weekend. USC now the only remaining team. We will get to that at the end, but we start off with a top 25 matchup in Autzen Stadium. The number 25 ranked Washington Huskies traveling to take on the number six Oregon Ducks. And it was a great opening drive in a hostile Autzen Stadium for the Washington Huskies. Michael Penix just continuing to throw darts all over the field. He throws darts all the way down the field on that opening drive. Wayne Tualapapa runs it in from 13 yards out to cap off a 12-play, 75-yard opening drive. Oregon, on their next drive, convert a fourth and one. Pressure gets to Knicks on third and long on the next series, and Oregon has to settle for a 43-yard field goal. Washington responds with a long field goal drive of their own. The score is 10-3 Washington at this point uh, at the start of the second quarter. Oregon, on their next drive, all the way inside the five-yard line. They are knocking on the door, and Bo Nix fumbles the snap on the center quarterback exchange. Washington recovers. It's a huge momentum shift in the game, and it obviously stops Oregon from matching the score at that point. We will get back to that one shortly. Oregon's defense gets on the field, though, and they deliver a three and out on the next drive. And the Oregon offense finishes what they started on the previous drive with a Bo Nix 10-yard touchdown run to make it 10-10. Oregon then goes for an onside kick, another surprise onside kick from Dan Lanning, but they just end up giving Michael Penix a short field. On this drive, Penix throws deep downfield for McMillan, and Christian Gonzalez meets, meets the ball at the catch point. It's a wrestle for the football. McMillan wins, and shortly after, the Huskies kick a field goal. Oregon then manufactures a drive just before half, but they have to settle for a field goal, and it is a missed kick from 54 yards out. Into the second half we go. Oregon starts with the ball. Nix throws a beautiful 46-yard touchdown pass to Dante Thornton to take a 17-13 lead. This third quarter was wild. Washington then leans on their run game as they march down the field for a touchdown themselves. They regain the lead 20-17. Oregon, again, very quickly goes and scores on their next drive. Whittington with a 29-yard touchdown run, and Oregon is back up 24-20. Penix responds with a bomb on the second play of Washington's next drive. 76 yards to Jalen Polk. 27-24 now. Oregon with another very quick strike. 
Bo Nix hits Troy Franklin for a 67-yard touchdown. It's 31-27, still in the third quarter. And then Penix leads UW all the way into the red zone. And at the start of the fourth quarter, Penix forces a throw at the goal line. The ball is deflected and it's intercepted. Another huge momentum shift in this game. And Oregon responds with an absolute monster of a drive compared to these quick strikes they were having. 20 plays, 91 yards, taking up 10 minutes, 33 seconds of game time, only to kick a field goal that puts them up 34 to 27. Washington still within striking distance. Penix then with a beautiful throw, just drops it in the bucket down the left sideline to Taj Davis. It's a 62-yard gain. Uh, it's a touchdown, actually. Washington ties the game at 34. Oregon gets very aggressive. Um, they face a fourth and one. Whittington slips in the backfield around midfield, and Washington takes over on downs. Another missed opportunity for Oregon. They come up with a stop on the next Washington drive, but the Huskies only have to hit a 43-yard field goal, and they do to take the lead 37-34 with a minute remaining. Bo Nix, a valiant effort to try and lead Oregon to midfield with 15 seconds left. They cannot get in the field goal range. They do not get a field goal attempt. The Washington Huskies upset the Oregon Ducks at home by a score of 37-24. Michael Penix just throwing darts. It's going to be tough again for the Buffs this week, guys. I'm just telling you. 26-35 passing, 408 yards, two touchdowns, that one boneheaded interception. This guy is so aggressive with the football. He is nailing tight window throws, but then he has those moments like he does on the goal line where he gets a bit too courageous, tries to force one. Ball's tipped around and intercepted. Wayne Twelapapa had 10 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. The leading receiver in this game was Troy Franklin for Oregon. He had five receptions, 139 yards, and one touchdown. But Jalen McMillan, eight receptions, 122 on the Washington side. Romo Dunze, a fairly quiet game for that guy. Six receptions, 56 yards. Jalen Polk also had three receptions, 95 yards, and that one long touchdown of 76 for the Huskies. Bo Nix, a decent game, 19-27, 280 yards, two touchdowns. Bucky Irving, a big game carrying the ball, 19 carries, 143 yards. And then Noah Whittington, also a big game, 20 carries, 108 yards, one touchdown. The Ducks, as a team, ran the ball 51 times for 312 yards and two touchdowns. It's a 6.1 yards per carry average. On the defensive side of the ball, not much really happening. Christian Gonzalez actually the leading tackler for the Ducks with 10 tackles. Leading tackler on the Huskies, Asa Turner, 12 total tackles. Only one sack in this game is a split sack for the Huskies, Jeremiah Martin and Braylon Trice. Get to Bo Nix in the final seconds of the game. It was actually Oregon's second sack that they let up in the entire game. Just crazy stuff. The Ducks just caught being too aggressive. Man, that four or the the play, the third and uh, I think it was the third and goal inside the five. Knicks fumbles the snap. That's seven points he lost there. That would have been a walk-in touchdown if Bo Nix gets the snap and makes the handoff. Also, the onside kick uh, gives Washington a short field. And then at the very end, they go for it on a fourth and one as they're trying to take the lead. And Whittington slips in the backfield again. Just some missed opportunities by Oregon. They could really only blame themselves, I think. Um, they were in this game. They should have won this game, especially with that Michael Penix touchdown. But the rest can be said about that Bo Nix fumble on the goal line. 
We move on, though, to another team that had playoff hopes in the conference. Arizona traveling to Pasadena to take on the Bruins. And man, what an upset. The Wildcats win 34-28. Let's get into it. The Wildcats and Bruins exchange punts to open the game. Arizona then drives down the field with their run game, of all things. Michael Wiley and DJ Williams pounding the rock down the field. And Wiley scores on a sweet end around from 10 yards out. UCLA punts just after that. And Arizona responds. Now Jaden Delora starts to find a groove. He's running all around the backfield, down to the right sideline, and finds Michael Wiley from 22 yards out to go up 14-0 on the Bruins. UCLA finally wakes up. Charbonnet and DTR on the ground move the ball deep into Arizona territory, aided by a few DTR passes. And Charbonnet runs it in from one yard out to make it 14-7. Arizona would then punt, and UCLA responds again on the back of a 51-yard DTR touchdown pass to Hudson. Habermill to tie it up at 14 apiece. Arizona then goes 75 yards and 10 more plays. Jaden Delore Magic just starting to take over at this point. He caps off a drive with a three-yard scramble and the touchdown run to go up 21-14. It's the start of the second half now. And Arizona's defense came up huge. They get to DTR a few times behind the line of scrimmage on some rollouts out of the pocket. UCLA drives down the field. And they just are outside of field goal range. They have to settle for a 45-yard field goal attempt that's blocked. Huge play by Arizona. Massive drive by them. They get the ball back, do nothing with it, though. They punt. And UCLA manages to tie the game on the next drive. We're at 21 apiece here. On the next Arizona drive, Delore finds Cowing on 4th and 3 for 30 yards. And then he is sacked while trying to extend the play on a 3rd and 3 from the 4-yard line. Arizona has to settle for a 35-yard field goal attempt to make it 24-21. Looked a bit like a missed opportunity at the time. Especially since the Bruins and Charbonnet power down to the 5-yard line after a 36-yard Charbonnet run. He gets the last 5 yards on the drive to get the touchdown. UCLA gets their first lead of the game at this point. It's 28-24. Then Arizona, Jaden Delore finds a wide open Dorian Singer on the next drive for 48 yards to get into UCLA territory. And then on fourth and four from the 17, Delora throws a pass into the end zone and fights Tedero McMillan to go up 31-28. Jaden Delore just making magic over and over in this football game. UCLA then gets aggressive as they're down. They go for it on a fourth down near midfield. Do not get it. Arizona gets inside the UCLA red zone, but they have to settle for another field goal. This one from 23 yards out. They go up 24-28. UCLA is able to mount a drive with a little over a minute left in the game. On the final play, DTR almost creates some magic of his own. He's scrambling around, rolls to his right, throws a dart to the end zone, and is just out of reach of Jake Bobo in the end zone. Off of his hands, and the Wildcats complete the upset. And as I mentioned, the Pac-12's playoff hopes are now down to USC. On to the box score. Jaden Delora, 22 of 28, 315 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He is awesome to watch. Michael Wiley, a big game running the ball, 21 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Jacob Cowling, nine receptions, 118 yards, no touchdowns for him. Dorian Singer, five receptions, 83 yards, no touchdowns for him. Tedero McMillan only had that one catch for 17 yards, but it was a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, 
DTR, I think, played well. Not well enough, obviously. Um, the offense struggling at the first few drives, really the Achilles heel for UCLA in this game. But DTR, 26-39, 245 yards and a touchdown. Zach Charbonnet, this guy is just an animal. 24 carries, 181 yards and three touchdowns. Jake Bobo, five receptions, 61 yards, no touchdowns. The leading receiver for the Bruins, actually Hudson Havermill with three receptions, 64 yards, and that one long touchdown. On the defensive side of the ball, three sacks apiece for the Bruins and the Wildcats. Jalen Harris, Jackson Turner, and oh my goodness, Taiti Uyunglele has a sack of his own for Arizona also. Sorry about the pronunciation there. On the UCLA side of things, Gabriel Murphy had a sack, Grayson Murphy had a sack, and Jay Toa had a sack, but it wasn't enough. As the Bruins fall and their playoff hopes end, now all they can do is hope to play spoiler to USC down the line. That game coming up this weekend. On we go. These ones going to go a little bit quicker here. Cal at Oregon State. Not really much to take from this game. Cal's offensive struggles strike again. Uh, They have to punt on their opening drive. That went for six plays and a net yards gained of zero. On the Oregon State drive, Jack Coletto has actually used a throw pass, hits Anthony Gold for a 37-yard gain. Branson caps the drive off with a one-yard quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Plummer then throws an interception on Cal's first play of their next drive. Oregon responds again. They run it in from five yards. Oregon State, I should say, runs it in from five yards out to go up 14-0. After the team's exchange punts, Anthony Gould run, runs back a 55-yard punt for a touchdown to go up 21 to nothing. And then we fast forward to two minutes, 40 seconds left in the second quarter. Go Branson fails to execute a handoff. The ball is fumbled. Cal finally gets a break. They take the ball back for a touchdown to make it 21-7, but it was not enough. Oregon State just continues to roll in the second half. They secure the win 38-10. Cal makes some offensive changes after the fact. They fire their offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave. Broncos fans, I don't need to tell you too much about him. Maybe it makes more sense now why Cal was so bad offensively. They also fired their offensive line coach, Angus McClure. So some changes coming down at Cal. We'll see what happens to Justin Wilcox throughout this offseason. Do not know if he's on the hot seat per se, but you never know. When a coach makes these calls to fire two offensive co- uh, coaches, usually not a good sign. Into the box score, though, Plummer really struggled 22 of 34, 147 yards. He had an interception. Jaden Ott not able to get going, only eight carries for 20 yards. Jeremiah Hunter with a nice game, though, receiving for Cal, six receptions, 63 yards. J. Michael Sertimant, four receptions, 45 yards. On the Beaver side of things, Gobranson, I mean, didn't do much, but did what he had to 15 of 23, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. Damian Martinez continues to pound the rock at a high level for the Beavers. 23 carries, 105 yards for him. Treshawn Harrison, the leading receiver for the Beavers, 8 receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. On the defensive side of the ball, no sacks for Cal. Um, They did have that touchdown return off the fumble to give them some points, but that was really their only offense. Defensively, Oregon State got to the quarterback twice. Riley Sharp and Alex Austin with sacks. It's really all to take from this one. Cal, just not good. Oregon State, pretty damn good.
Next game, Arizona State travels to Washington State. A weird game, this one. A weird tale of two halves, it was. It was two punts to start off the game. Then Arizona State has a bad punt. They give the Cougars the ball with great field position at the ASU 39. The Cougars work the ball all the way to the ASU 2 and punch it in on fourth and goal to go up 7-0. ASU punts again. Washington State uh, off a handful of chunk plays from Cam Ward or at the ASU 2 again. This time it's a two-yard touchdown pop pass, and the Cougars are up 13-0. They miss the extra point. There's no real action until midway through the second quarter when Trenton Bourget throws an interception. Washington State returns it all the way to the ASU 4, and two plays later, Nakia Watson gets his second touchdown run. Cougars go for two. They make it 21-0. On the next ASU drive, Bourget is out. Emory Jones back in the game at quarterback. He throws an interception. Washington State would then run that, uh, turn that one in for another two-yard touchdown run by Nakia Watson. It's his third touchdown of the game. It's twenty-one or twenty-eight to nothing at this point. We're not even midway through the third quarter until Arizona finally, Arizona State finally finds some offense. Ex Valade in the run game starts to get things going, and then Jalen Conyers. This is the guy that went off against the Buffs. He strikes again with an insane catch and run on a fourth and five to score from 47 yards out. This guy is massive. He is quick. He's just a beast. He was barreling down through this Washington State secondary and gets all the way into the end zone. Arizona State then gets two touchdowns late as Washington scores none. Arizona State went for a two-point conversion on each of their touchdowns. They failed all of them. The game ends 28-18. to the Cougars move on to 6-4 and four on the year. Cam Moore, 22-37 20, passing, 219 yards and a touchdown. Nakia Watson, a great game on the ground. 20 carries, 116 yards, 3 touchdowns. Dejon Stribling, the leading receiver for the Cougars, 5 receptions, 64 yards, no touchdowns. On the other side, Trenton Bourget, he went 3-10 with that interception. That resulted in his benching. Emory Jones comes in 15 to 23, 186 yards. He does throw two touchdown passes. X Valade, another great game for him. 21 carries, 134 yards, and a touchdown for the Arizona State running back. He was also their leading receiver with six carries for or six receptions, 55 yards. Elijah Badger, five receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown all himself. In terms of getting to the quarterback, Arizona State got there three times. But Washington State, that front, they got there four times. Brennan Jackson with two sacks. Andrew Edson with a sack of his own. And Quinn Roth with a sack. Not really much to take from this one. Even less to take from our next game. And that is Stanford at Utah, our final game. Stanford was on the board first, actually, as, McKay, as Tanner McKee makes a great play to hit Elijah Higgins for 51 yards. Two plays later, McKee sneaks it in. Utah responds on their next drive with a 12-play, 75-yard drive. Capped off by a Cam rising nine-yard touchdown pass to Vele. Stanford punts. Utah again works the ball down deep into Stanford territory when Tavian Thomas runs it in from four yards out to put the Utes up 14-7. And that's about that. I mean, Utah drove the ball down to the Stanford 15-yard line when Rising throws an interception in the end zone with 15 seconds left in the half. But then Stanford in the second half, they punt on every offensive possession until their last possession of the game where they had a 14 play 43 yard drive that ends in a turnover on downs utah on the other hand scores on every second half drive but their last drive of the game that drive they just need on the ball utah rolls 42 to 7 cam rising 20 to 33 219 yards passing 
three touchdowns at one interception. Tavion Thomas, a strong game from him. 22 carries, 180 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Devon Bailey, six receptions, 61 yards in that touchdown pass. Dalton Kincaid didn't do much for the Utes. Four receptions, 35 yards, no touchdowns. On the Stanford side, McKee had that nice play on that drive on the second drive of the game, I believe it was. But that was really it. 11 completions, 23 attempts, 155 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Elijah Higgins, a nice game receiving for the Cardinal, though. Seven receptions, 105 yards, no touchdowns, however. Utah had seven sacks on the Stanford Cardinal. Simote Papa, two sacks of his own. Cole Bishop had half a sack. Lander Barton had half a sack. Jonah Ellis, one and a half sacks. Mohamed Diabate, one and a half sacks. Keanu Tanuvasa, one sack of himself. Just an absolute beating that the Utes delivered. 42-7. As we wrap up the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the rankings. Of course, Oregon falling, UCLA falling. They drop Oregon down to 12 in the rankings in the AP poll, that is. UCLA down to 16 in the AP poll. USC now up to 7th after the win over the Buffs. In between them and a spot in the playoff is undefeated TCU, who looks like they're going to hold that spot unless they lose. TCU has a game against Baylor this weekend. They play Iowa State next week, and then they have the Big 12 championship game to come after that. Tennessee still stands in the way, too. Um, Not much really going on their schedule. They have South Carolina and Vanderbilt left, but I think they are out of play for the SEC title game unless Georgia drops two in these final games. Do not see that happening with the Bulldogs going up against Kentucky this weekend. Then they have Georgia Tech in that rivalry game. And then, of course, the SEC championship game already scheduled between LSU and Georgia. LSU locking themselves in after last week's win over Arkansas. So we'll see. I mean, there's a path. I do not know if it's a clear path for the Trojans to make the playoff. It, of course, would be huge for the conference. Looking at it right now, the title game would be USC versus Oregon. It'd be a great game. I don't know if USC will be clutch enough to really perform in these instances. The Pac-12 really just cannibalizing themselves to this point. So it wouldn't surprise me if they stumble at the finish line. But their season, or their remaining two games, two ranked games to end out this season for the Trojans. They get UCLA in a massive game this weekend. And then Notre Dame in a rivalry game the weekend after. Of course, they got to win both to stay in the playoff hunt. Um, Of course, the UCLA game is the only game that matters for Pac-12 championship reasons. But we'll see. We've seen crazier things happen this season in the Pac-12. It's going to do it for today, guys. If you didn't see the news, we have Coach Sanford on Wednesday's podcast of DMBR Buffs Live. Make sure you tune into that. Ryan and I spent about an hour up in Boulder with him yesterday. Man, just what a cool dude. Just really enjoyed talking to him about everything Buffs related, what this season has been, how he's approached it, what CU needs in the future, some NIL talk, and then some great stories just from Coach Sanford's coaching career. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. We are really stoked to have this opportunity to talk to him, and I hope you guys enjoy it. 
That's going to do it until Wednesday, guys. Make sure you turn in for the show. It's going to be a banger. Until then, Scobuffs. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.